Welcome everybody to another episode of Travel Royally Podcast. Today we've got Mr. Mitch Lawrence. Um, we're so excited to hear about his career in acting, commentating, hosting. Um, he was a director and producer of uh, Saturday Night Live Season 1. Um, he also had a podcast with, with over 300 episodes, the Talking Golf Getaways podcast. Um, we're very excited. I hope you enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Travel Royalty Podcast. Today, we're thrilled to have golf royalty, acting loyalty, um, royalty, I should say, Mitch Lawrence. He's one of the founders of the Golf Trip X team. Um, I came to know Mitch when he co-hosted and co-produced the Talking Golf Getaways podcast, which is fantastic. He had a partner, uh, Darren Bunch. Uh, Mitch mixes four decades of golf and travel passion with his former career as an actor, an ESPN commentator, a golf TV host, as well as being a director and producer of Saturday Night Live back with the first season. And uh, he's his golf podcast, they've hosted more than 300 podcasts. And Mitch, I have to tell you, some of my favorite guests were Peter Alice and Ben Wright and um, Tony Jacklin. I love those uh, old-time golfers. And um, he's a great lover of single malt scotch, of haggis, hickory golf, and especially his life-saving wife. There he is, Ava. And his dog, Louie. Um, and he especially loves Lynx Golf. Mitch, welcome to our podcast. Uh, yes. On all counts, thank you, thank you, thank you. Great <laughs> to have you, Mitch. <laughs> We're so pleased that you're having a, uh, a wee dram. We've been known to do that, but we're uh, not retired like you, so we can't. Midwork day. Uh, hey, it's, it's, proud afternoon, upon. it's afternoon, but the thing we always, we did, uh, well, I, I have always, literally, on the three different separate podcasts I've done, hundreds of them, I never missed starting one. And normally we don't do video. We always did just audio. But even before, I would always start with a wee dram. Yeah. I don't, you know, keep pouring, but I always start <laughs> with a wee dram. Get you uh, talking. And <laughs> Darren and I, we did 185 Talking Golf Getaways episodes and not a one started without a wee dram. It's our way of connecting to the place we love, which is Scotland and yeah. The, all the places you guys are, are really putting a footprint on. So I'm well, happy to be here. I really am. Well, we're glad you're here. I, it's funny, Mitch, I was talking with Hayden the other day. Our, my golf club here in Atlanta, they've got one whiskey, right? And it's a blended whiskey. I think it's Dewar's or one whatever. I mean, my club in Scotland, Murray, we have 64 whiskey on the <laughs> Right. Like, I mean, I don't even know how you, um, you know. No. And if the one whiskey is blended whiskey, it's not even whiskey. So, right. Right. Well, I even call it, call it brown something. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> right. I agree 100%. Now, we, we, you've had such an interesting uh, life. You've met so many interesting people, both, um, well, you know, from going back to Saturday Night Live through your acting career, um, through the infomercials and the podcast, 
Uh, but uh, we're here to talk about golf today. So you've had a 40-year love affair with golf. How did you come to golf in the first place? Uh, it was interesting. I have a twin brother, Matthew, who's um, also, we pretty much followed the same career path once we locked in. He was an actor. Um, he's He does, he did Duke basketball for 10 years on the sidelines. He's now doing University of Kentucky basketball. Um, we've, we've done a lot of the same things and neither one of us played golf growing up ever. Um, I'm going to be free. So when I was in high school, which would have been, um, I graduated high school in 68. I know that's hard for you to believe that there are people like us still alive, Hayden, but, <laughs> um, but, uh, nobody, we knew one kid in high school who played golf and that was it. And he was a really good guy, but we all thought he was a nerd, total, complete nerd. Uh, we played basketball, football, baseball. Uh, basketball was our first real love that we played into college, uh, but we never played ball. The only time we ever, we never played golf. The only time we hit balls, we used to have a summer house that we shared with my aunt and uncle and their family, my cousins. And during the summer, we would go there and there was a driving range. It was outside of New York in a place called Peekskill. And there was a driving range in a place called Lake Mayapak. And my father would take us there maybe once or twice a summer. And that was it. We'd beat balls. But it was nothing about loving golf. It was just enjoying hitting them. Yeah. And that was it. We never played. So years go by. I go to college. I do Saturday Night Live, still never played. And when I was 30, I moved to LA to start acting. And I had a really close friend who I'd known since second grade. His name is Keith Glass. Uh, he's now a big time and has been for a while sports agent. But at the time, he was best friends with Larry Brown, who in 1980 was the head basketball coach at UCLA. And Larry had been a great player in the ABA and he played in North Carolina and Larry played golf. So Keith played golf growing up that the two of them. Did. Yep. I get out to LA and Keith is there coaching at UCLA and he kept calling me and saying, you got to come play golf with me. And I kept going, sorry, pal, not interested. And he bugged me relentlessly until one day I said to him, all right, all right, I'll go, I'll play. He said, cool, I'll pick you up at 6.30 tomorrow. I said, Keith, it's dark. He said, no, 6.30 in the morning. I said, Keith, I'm an actor. If you, The only way I'm getting up at 6.30 is if you pay me to be there. <laughs> and we went out. And the only way I can describe it is because I was a good athlete. I wasn't great, but I could play anything. And we went to play and I could not get the ball in the air. I could not get it in the air. And I kept playing. And at one point, I remember turning to him and going, I don't get this. I don't understand it because nobody's trying to tackle you or throw a heater at your head. Nobody's yelling. Nothing's moving. I'm not moving. The ball's not moving. Nothing's going on and I can't hit it. And I think that's what grabbed me at the beginning was as a somewhat of an athlete, it didn't make any sense to me that the game could be that hard. Yeah. And um, I mean, I'd watched it on TV before I started playing, if there was a major or so, somehow it was on. But and that's what hooked me. And I was single 
Uh, I started playing four or five times a week, uh, practiced incessantly, eventually got the ball in the air, which was a big help. Um, and then, uh, you know, from there, it's been nonstop, literally. Where did you play in L.A.? I, I lived in I moved to L.A. in 84 and was there until 97. Yeah, the most of the time, the the real golf for me began at Griffith Park. Oh, I um, love that place. Yeah, and that's you know with the the multiple courses. Yeah, I used to take lessons from Jerry Barber. Yeah, Jerry Barber, great yeah. pro, who was the you know it's a Muni course, but there yeah. was Jerry Barber. Um, his son Tom was the head pro there for years, but I played all over. I used to play uh, the courses in Encino, you know, the Balboa yeah. and Encino court. Balboa yeah. was the first yeah. place I broke uh, 80, was at uh, Balboa. Um, and then I had, once I started acting, the first real job I got was in 82. And once I started acting and I was, I started to get pretty good. At one point I got down to a six and I started being invited to these celeb tournaments and pro-ams. Uh, a bunch of my friends who were successful, um, we used to play Lakeside a lot and Hillcrest and, um, you know, yeah. just a great time. Rancho Park was another big one, yeah. you know, ridiculous that it's a public golf course. Uh, so those were the places and occasionally once, probably in the mid 80s, when I started traveling to play, uh, I used to go to Palm Springs all the time, all yeah. the time. And then uh, I guess about 83 or 84, a friend of mine turned me on to Ojai and Ojai Valley, which was about an hour and a half away. And at the time it was a hidden gem, literally a hidden gem. And it cost about 25 bucks to play. And we used to, you know, it was an hour and 20 minutes away, an hour and a half. And we used to just hop in the car and go up for the day. And so yeah. there's such a wealth of, obviously, of great golf in that area. Have you ever heard of I was about to say the same thing. Okay. Uh, have you ever heard of a course called La Prisma? Yeah, I've heard of it. I, n I never got to play it. I played it last week. Did you? Apparently, yeah. it used to be a PGA qualifying yeah. course, and it was too hard. Yeah. I can contest it was too hard. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, Mitch, I don't know if you heard the story um, about Griffith Park, but in the 1920s, um, Babe Ruth came off the 18th green and um, his agent came up to him and told him you've just been traded from the Red Sox to the Yankees that's where he found out yeah that's funny I mean, how cool is that I mean when you think about it right when you think about St. Andrews and you think about all the great players who played there right but when you think about like LA and the, and the golf courses there and you know all the stars but Babe Ruth, you know, that would have been a hundred years ago or so, mm -hmm. you know, that, um, and Hey, Babe Ruth was a great baseball player. But... Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Um, Making fun of the, the young guy. Yeah. Um, well, I want to talk about your talking golf getaways podcast, because that's how I came to know you. Mm -hmm. And, um, I know that in the last spring, these guys stopped, uh, putting those out, but I got to tell you, I listened to uh, most of them. I absolutely loved it. The com the relationship you had with Darren was great. It was, you guys are witty and um, 
charming and self-deprecating and uh it is there talk of a reunion tour uh you know we kind of when we did when we decided to you know we talked about just kind of putting a hold on it um i'm pretty much retired now uh so i have time but darren is really busy and it got to a point where it was just difficult for us to with his schedule more than anything yeah. just keep scheduling stuff and i had already done i don't know 300 podcasts on my own hosting on my own before we started talking golf getaways and uh, I think I was just one day he and I were talking and we it, it had gotten increasingly difficult to find time to do the podcast. Yeah, We still had people we wanted to talk to and but it was becoming more of an issue and um, and it was made easier the last year or so when Chris McEwen started producing and doing the editing. Right. Uh, as you know, Hayden, the editing can be, you know, kind of an issue at times. Mm -hmm. um, and he helped Chris is unbelievably great. I mean, really, really great. And a superstar in the, not in the making anymore, because I think he's one of the best people uh, that we have in the media around golf, but he helped a lot. And we still found that it was tough to do it. And I thought to myself, you know, I've done so many and I've talked to, if, if I look at the list of people over the years I've talked to, there's always people to talk to. Oh, yeah. um, I mean, you're a great example. I hadn't known who you were really until you reached out and kindly asked me to join you here. And I thought, well, here's somebody that, uh, you know, if we were still doing the show, you'd be on it. Yeah. Um, because you're exactly the kind of person that we love talking to. But for the most part, I thought, I think I've pretty much, I'm talked out. <laughs> <laughs> I've kind of, uh, you know, I really have gotten to, to I keep, it's amazing to me when I look at the list over the years of people that I've gotten to talk to just this kid who grew up on Long Island didn't play golf till he was 30. Yeah. And the people I've been privileged enough to talk to, um, you know, a lot of them incredibly famous and a lot of them not, and just as interesting in a way. So well, I'll tell you what's interesting. You don't know, that's a long way of saying we're not sure. Darren is still really yeah. busy got a couple projects that are in the works that would make them busier and i'm just kind of i'm enjoying just kind of listening a lot to other people's stuff yeah kind of looking at it. it's hard sometimes i have to say because i miss this i miss talking to you guys and yeah well i'll tell you what we there's there's a uh still a large appetite a big appetite out there for for that work that you guys are doing i mean i love it I, i'll tell you what um about 10 days ago i sent hayden an email about our podcast because he technically owns it and i said we need to up our game and right i want to make sure that it's not just good but great and we got to deliver great content and great guests and so um i sent him a list of podcasts i said i want you to watch these right and we can steal things from right so i sent him yours was one of them but here's what i found because i went out and looked mitch at you know, probably 50 different podcasts. I would say 90% of them are about the PGA tour, right. right? Like what happened last week? You're like, and you're thinking, how many, how many podcasts do we need to talk about what happened last week on the PGA tour or, 
what's going on with live and the PGA tour. I understand we need to, I want to consume some of that, but I don't need it tenfold. And there are very few people. I mean, you were one of the, you and Darren were, were that podcast was one of the few where it was just, you were talking to, to ordinary folks. One of the last ones I listened to, I listened to, I told you I was listening the other day. You had a, a guy on, um, I think it was 2021, a guy named Joe, who takes a big group out to Phoenix Scottsdale every year. Joe Sass, yep. Wonderful. I mean, that was a, you know, you could say that's kind of an innocuous, um, an innocuous topic about having a guy's trip and how do you, how does he do it? And, you know, I'm not even interested in going there and I'm, you know, yeah. with the bannering back and forth and he's, he was a very good guest. He's, you yeah, know, he's great. He's a, uh, he's been a longtime friend of Darren's. Uh, I've been fortunate. He came out and he and Darren and my wife and I, spent three days at Tobacco Road together and Joe's a great guy. He's a, and it's like you said, he's, he is who really we wanted. When Darren and I started the show, it started because I had been doing golf connections, which the whole world of golf was open to me. Yeah. At, at the point where I decided that I had had that enough of that, Darren and I, I said to him one day, why don't we just do a show about, about travel you and i travel all the time nobody's doing it yeah i mean literally at the time there was not one podcast that just concentrated on travel people would mix it in they'd they'd go to bandon and they'd throw in an episode about bandon or wherever and that's literally how we started and we i just said there's got to be room because one thing about golfers is they travel some more, some more than others but, you know, they travel. So that's that's kind of how it started. So I'm glad you're doing what you're doing. And uh, just from listening to the, the few that I've listened to, you're on the right track. And, you know, I can tell, you know, Hayden's a driving force in this. All. So yeah. you're, you're lucky, you're lucky to have him there pushing you back. <laughs> um, yeah, I, this, uh, yeah, we want to be a place where people can go to learn about Links golf, right? And so mm -hmm. we've got, we've had, we've, and we, you know, to be honest with you, we kind of run in similar circles, you know, on, on the golf side anyway, with uh, Stephen Proctor and Rue McDonald. And um, I'm trying to think, it's Jim Hartzell. Jim Hartzell, and, sure. Um, these are all great guys. And, and uh, we're going to have Stephen Proctor on the podcast soon, but, um, I, I've met. I, I feel privileged, like you do, and I know Hayden does as well. We had a, we had a guy yesterday, William Lumsden, and there's another golf travel company called Bonnie Wee Golf, and they well. yeah okay. So the whole Old Tom Morris Trail, right? Well, they they sponsor his nonprofit, which goes to the towns of those 18 golf courses and delivers primary school lessons to children about old the legacy of old Tom and young Tom around self-confidence, uh, communication skills, teamwork, continuous learning, things like that. Fascinating guy. A steel I can't killer. wait to hear it. I know who he is because I follow, I follow what they're doing on Twitter. 
Yeah. So I'm constantly seeing the old Tom Morris trail and I'm really, I'm really interested to listen to it because it's, you know, these are the, uh, there's a lot that I think all of us hate about social media, but there's a lot, the connections to these kinds of people um, that are doing things like that, that as, as an old guy, as officially an old guy, this is the stuff that I know in my heart to be important. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, I've got another one. You, you, you called yourself an old guy. We had a guy on, you would love this guy. Okay. So um, his name is Kroger. Actually, he goes by Krieger. It's K-R-O-E-G-E-R. He's a dentist in Cincinnati. He was, he was going to Scotland in the 80s, right? And he wrote books about the courses of old Tom Morris and the courses of Scotland, England, Wales, Ireland, right? And they, they appear to be self-published using today's terminology. I don't know who published mm -hmm. Um, This guy has been, and now he's 80-something, right? And he doesn't even play golf anymore. He, he writes books about barns. <laughs> right, right, like the old, and he's and and, the, and yeah. you and I can laugh about. But he's found round barns and Amish barns. Well, I'm not, I'm not laughing because I'm laughing at him. I'm laughing because that's the kind of stuff that I freaking love. Yeah, he's, I, he, I play hundred year old golf clubs. Anybody right. that's gonna do stuff with barns, yeah. <laughs> but this guy was like, no, we're the only one. He's he's never been on anybody's podcast, but ours. And you're like. How is this possible? This guy is a fountain of information about, and, and I bet he's played, I, I've played like 90 links courses in mm -hmm. Great Britain and Ireland. I bet he's played double that. I bet he's, whatever the total number is, I think he's played them all. Um, the guy's amazing, right? Yeah. And and it was one of those things. I, 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 I stumbled across his, I've got all of his books, but I stumbled on, I hadn't looked at him in a while. I'm like, I'm going to try and get this guy on. He greatest guy in the world. Anyway, I, that was a quick aside. But hey, Mitch, if you would talk about Golf Trip X and Golf News Net, I, those are two other things you've been involved in. And I want to learn more about those. Well, uh, Golf Trip X was the site that when we first started talking golf getaways, um, I have a great friend named Ryan Ballinger who had done a lot in, as a writer in, in the golf world. And he started, he decided instead of working for Yahoo Sports and uh, PGA Tour and all different places that he would write stuff for and post content that he would do it for himself. So he created Golf News Net. Um, and Ryan's a younger guy. I think he's probably, it's gonna kill me, but I think he's 35 or 36 now. And over the, the short amount of time, he's built Golf Newsnet into a real uh, font of information. And it's it covers all kinds of stuff in golf, a lot of different stuff. Really smart guy. And I had met Ryan before. And when it came time to do Talking Golf Getaways, um, we decided we wanted to join Ryan as a partner and use Golf Newsnet as a host kind of to get this the talk show the yep. podcast going so that's how we hooked up with golf newsnet then we formed golf trip x as an offshoot from there so it would have its own separate space and not be kind of 
it would be available on Golf News Net, but GolfTripX.com was the site. Uh, so that's that's kind of where we lived until we stopped. The site is still active. There's an un unbelievable amount of content about travel on there. Yeah. Uh, not just the talking golf getaways, but a lot of great writing. Eric Hart, uh, who's one of the most well-traveled. You should have Eric on too. Uh, I'm making a note of that. Well-traveled golfers in the world. And Eric, uh, his writing is fantastic. Uh, so we have all of Eric's stuff up there and, you know, just great writing from different people. Um, so the site still lives. It's got all of our podcasts available. Um, basically that's basically it golf news net is uh ryan actually just started something called golf news net radio and it was his dream to go up against sirius xm and pga tour radio because like you said he's not really interested in you know all the programming about the tour yeah so he said there's got to be there's so many voices now in radio and podcasts and so he it just started up uh, created golf news net radio and it's going to be a 24 7 um, site for all different kinds of voices all different kinds excellent so i'll um, i will set you up with ryan too I, i'd love to get connected to ryan and eric that'd be great yep anyway Mutual, we'll, sure. we'll take care of that but that's basically the 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 two uh, places where Talking Golf Getaways lived. Gotcha. You had, uh, getting back to the podcast, um, you had a who's who of guests on your podcast. We didn't want you to get in trouble, but without taking offense to any of these guys, who did you have a favorite? Uh, you know, people have asked me that. I don't, I can't do it. <laughs> I'm not saying that to be flip about it, but uh, do I have some that I found? I, I mean, it's not, you know, if I say uh, some were more engaging or some stories were, but I, I, it's really hard for me to do that because there were so many yeah. that were really unbelievable that just, um, I might, I might categorize it this way. Uh, the most unusual podcast, and we did two, was with a guy named Adam Ralston. Uh, and I don't know if you've seen these, but if you haven't, you need to listen to him. He had, he did a project with uh, another guy named Ron Rutland called The Longest Hole. And they literally, the two of them, and they were both rugby players. Uh, Adam's a golfer, South African. They literally went to Mongolia started at the western edge of Mongolia and Adam hit golf balls all the entirety of Mongolia and Ron they built a cart with two big wheels and Ron pulled the cart and acted kind of like his caddy and um and sure the first yeah the first episode was literally from the middle of Mongolia we talked to Adam and then the last one was when they had finished. Uh, there's videos up on YouTube if you just go to the longest hole. But the podcasts are, I mean, truly unbelievable. And I think in terms of golf travel, <laughs> uh, 
I, I really don't think there's been anything close to how I felt, and I know Darren did too. Um, I get emotional talking about it. Wow. That's yeah, how I, I wrote that down. I'm going to, I'm going to uh, watch the videos and I'll, I'll, I'll listen to the podcast. I can't I have wait so many questions. <laughs> I mean, well, well, that's the thing. And, and I, I don't even know what else to say about it. I mean, they, they started their trip and a few days into the trip, this wild dog starts following them. And literally from whatever day it was stayed with them across all of Mongolia. Wow. And I, you know, just stuff like that. I'm a dog That's person anyway, cool. but that, yeah. that kind of put me over the edge. That's anyway, uh, Adam was fantastic. Um, yeah, see, if I start going this well, I'll, from that person, I, I'll tell you what, let me, I'll, I'll give you my take overall. Yeah. Here's what I love. I love guys like Ben Wright, um, Tony Jacklin, Peter Alice, who were at the end of their career and don't give a shit anymore. They tell the truth. Their stories are unbelievable, right? Like just literally unbelievable. The lives that the, the, those three led, and, and there are others too, but I mean, those those three are like, holy cow. Yeah. Well, I'm again, uh, ridiculously fortunate. I knew... I first met Ben Wright probably 35 years ago, playing in these celebrity tournaments. Uh, really, really friendly with Ben. Uh, he was on the first podcast I did, I told you this, Jeff, was called Hooked on Hickories. Right. And Ben was my first guest. And when you start a podcast, and again, there weren't that many podcasts kind of going around at that point. Mm -hmm. uh, when you start with Ben, it got and the other people that I was lucky enough to know from these celebrity tournaments that I had gotten to be close with all these people, it wasn't that difficult to all of a sudden be able to write a, an email or something and get other people on the show because I send them the list and then they go, okay, clearly this isn't, you know, Pete from wherever. And right. uh, so Ben, you know, until he died, uh, and it's funny, I have, I'm sitting here looking at something I bought from my friend in Pinehurst, Tom Stewart, who has a place called the Old Sport Gallery, and he sells all kinds of old things. And he had an auction, if I can get it open, which is uh, Ben Wright's clock, Ben's clock. Wow. That he used to have on his desk at this, in the tower at CBS. You know, I mean, and I, I mean, I spent nights at Ben's house. And so talking to Ben, as you know, was not only a privilege, but an absolute hoot. It was, yeah. you basically say at the beginning of the podcast, how you doing? And yeah. an hour later. And the same thing with Peter Alice. I got to be friendly with him, never got to meet him, but he was gracious enough to be on that initial series of Hooked on Hickories. Uh, I had him on a few times. I kept in touch with him. He was very kind. Uh, we'd email each other once or twice a year. And he was, you know, he was great. Tony Jacklin was fantastic. Uh, another cool one, out of the blue, I just decided one day. And I used to, when I did this, Golf Connections, 
before talking golf getaways, I decided to do a month of podcasts around all four majors. So I would do a month of Masters, a month of US Open, a month of Open Championship, a month of PGA Championship. And during that month, I would do, I think I did eight podcasts a month during those times. So I had, I had unbelievable people. And one day I decided, okay, it's the Open Championship. There's a lot of people I wanna to talk to. Um, I'm going to try to get Peter Thompson. Wow. So I wrote an email. I found out who his people were and I wrote an email and I sent them the list and I got a note back saying Peter would be happy to do the show. And lo and behold, from Australia, I wound up for an hour and a half getting to talk to Peter Thompson. Wow. And that's the kind of stuff that, like I said before, till the day I die. Yeah. I just sit around going, don't know how, yeah, why, just, you know, grateful as hell. It's the only yeah. way. Well, I'll tell you what, you were talking about, like, Ben Wright, Peter Alice, um, great golfers, you know, in the 30s and 40s, went on to be broadcasters. We had a gentleman on, um, we've had him on twice now, actually, uh, Clive Clark. He designed the course behind me, which is Dunbarney, mm -hmm. which is the new course down the road from St. Andrews. He was a Ryder Cup player for Europe in like 1973. And he was in the final group of the Open in 1968 with Jack Nicholas at, at Royal Liverpool. Right. And so, and he finished third. Behind him and Gary Player, right behind Nicholas and Gary Player, and and I I said, "What's your proudest achievement in golf?" He goes, "I started the final round, you know, with Jack Nicholas. I bogeyed the first four holes and shot even par that day, right? Because I was so nervous, right? <laughs> um, then he gets to the he gets to the Ryder Cup, and it was at Muirfield, and he's playing with a guy Eddie Pollen from." Ireland and he's playing against Nicholas and Weisskopf, right? They get to the first tee at Muirfield. Eddie Paul, the, the Americans hit their two balls straight down the middle and a mile long, right? Eddie Polland pulls one out of bounds and, and he turns to uh, Clive and goes, Looks like you're gonna be on your own today. <laughs> and he goes, I he goes, I basically <laughs> fought them single-handedly. Through the 17th hole, we lost three and two, or through 16, they lost three and two. Right. <laughs> um, but the funny thing was, he was on the BBC for 18 years, and Peter Alice was his broadcast partner, right? And at the beginning, there were three of them. There were the two of them plus Henry Longhurst, the great writer, right? Mm -hmm. And... Um, he had, uh, for some reason, he'd come over to America, Clive, and he got he got some new clothes. He got got this new tie, and you know, in in schools over there, school kids wear ties and jackets to school. Yeah. And um, so he he goes up to at a party and sees Henry and goes up to him and, you know, is really happy with his new clothes. And Henry kind of looks him up and down and he goes, he goes. Uh, is that tie your schoolboy tie or is that your very own unfortunate choice? 
but it, you know, and he was, yeah. it, he goes, and I said, boy, that's really, you know, like rough. He goes, no, no, he's just completely kidding with me. Right. Like, um, but sometimes you stumble onto people like that, that are sure. You know, when I joke about golf royalty, Clive Clark, who's not well known over here, but everyone in the UK knows who he is. Sure. He was great. Um, now I, so you started golfing at 30. Tell us about your first trip to Scotland. What led you there? And, you know. Um, well, I, it was just uh, once I got to a certain point, I kind of knew somewhere in my soul that I had to go. Yeah. And I had a friend in Charlotte. Um, and at the time I was single and we just decided to go. We just decided to fly over and kind of drive around. Um, and the most impactful part of the trip, although um, there were courses that I know we played that I don't even remember because this would have been around 19, I'm going to say about 1990, probably. Um, but the, the couple of days that we sent in, spent in Presswick, by far, are what really, really hooked me. Uh, I'll tell you a quick, great story about Prestwick. I And I wasn't into golf history at the time at all. I mean, I really didn't, other than knowing what St. Andrews was, I didn't really know anything else. And we decided to try to get on Prestwick. We hadn't booked it. That's how much we knew. So we drive to Prestwick, we get out, we go in the pro shop. Um, we're talking to this guy behind the counter, really nice guy. And we were explaining to him that we hadn't booked a tea time and would it be possible to get out? And he starts talking to us and he said, it's going to be kind of tough. I don't know if, and he stopped and he thought for a little while and he went, I have a really big group going off now, but I'll tell you what you can do get back in your car. And he said, go to this road and then that road and then that road. And you'll see a fence, park your car at the fence, take your bags out, go around the fence. And that's the fifth hole, it's a par three, just start playing. And when you get back to the clubhouse, I'll let you go and play the first four holes and then you can come back and we're going, Okay. <laughs> that sounds good. So we drive out, we get to the fence. It's one of the most famous holes in golf. It's a blind shot par three. That's just insane. I mean, insane. And that's where we really started for me. That's where the trip started. So we was that finished. the first round of links golf you played was Presswick. It, I can't remember whether it was the first, we had played some inland courses driving around. Um, Delamere, I think we had, we had just, we, you know, we had kind of, there was, we didn't play the old course or the, well, Prestwick was definitely the most famous place I got to step on. Again, didn't really know it. Go back around, play the four holes, come back to the clubhouse. This guy's inside. He said, how'd you like it? And we're going, okay, how'd you like it? <laughs> uh, I bought a golf bag. I have a picture of me somehow. I managed to save me standing with a carry bag looking out over the course and come to find out 
after that round, we were talking to some people in town and they said, uh, we said, this guy was unbelievable. He's just the guy behind the counter, like working in the pro shop. And they yeah. looked at us and they said, that's not any guy in the pro shop. That's Frank Rennie. And at the time I went, okay. Yeah. And they said, Frank Rennie's been the head professional at Prestwick since 1962. There's only been seven head professionals since old Tom was the first. <laughs> and I'm going, okay. So the guy we just talked to, now think about this. We talked a little about it when I talked to you on the phone, Jeff. You're it arguably, and in my mind, because of old Tom in the open, the, the, the most important, arguably, golf course in Scotland because of what started there. Yeah. And we're talking to the guy that's been the head professional thinking he's just Frank or whatever. And if you came to just saying, if you went to Pine Valley or pick a great hard to get on course in the United States, what are the chances of one of the guys in the pro shop going, you know what, it's crowded, take a, your car, drive around to the <laughs> I just don't think it's gonna happen. So yeah. uh, that was, that's what really hooked me. And then the, the next day, somebody said to us, where are you going? We said, well, we don't know. They said, go play Prestwick St. Nicholas. Now, have you played Prestwick St. Nick? No, but a friend of mine, you know Murray Bothwell? No. Okay. He's a guy you would love to have. Uh, he's a, a writer for, well, he does other things, but he, he writes uh, for uh, Link's Diary. and mm -hmm. He's um, a member there. He's a member, and he's like, He's the biggest cheerleader for Prestwick St. Nicholas. But I can't yes. even tell you that as as amazing as Prestwick was, given the scale of it, you know, the size of the bunkers and the yeah. you play Prestwick St. Nicholas, which is really in town. Right. And some of the holes are just moon golf, just moon golf. Um, I don't know which number it is, but there's a, a par four, a short par four. It's like 260, 70 yards. Uh, but it's a elevated green that's completely surrounded by huge mounds and bunkers. And so you're standing on the tee going, yeah, I might as well. And, you know, quadruple is really easy. There. <laughs> that's all I'll say. Um, but I, I fell in love with that. You know, that was, that was the first time I think I got it that this golf course is the center of this town. Right. And then as I've grown up and made multiple trips to Scotland and Ireland and England, you know, that becomes what what the most important part of all of it is to me, is the community aspect of it. Well, my the first links course I played was Presswick with my dad for his 60th birthday. And I remember standing on the first tee holding driver, right? And it was it, foggy, really foggy. And uh, I, you couldn't see the course all that well. I didn't even know if we were hitting, you know, you're kind of in that corner. I don't know if we were hitting left, center, right. And the caddy takes the the uh, driver out of my hand, hands me a six iron, and he goes, hit it down here. But I have to agree, the fifth hole, um, the Himalayas, where you hit oh. over that, hey, you literally, they put a white rock up on the top of the hill and go aim yeah. over that and, the other one I liked there was 17, Mitch, where you hit over the Alps and then behind yes. the Alps, you got Sahara. You know, you got a ma massive mountain 
to hit over Hayden. I mean, another blind shot. And if you miss the green short, there's the biggest bunker you've ever seen that they call Sahara. It's just that's a and they got a drivable par four for 18. It's a it's an amazing place. Yeah, yeah that's very cool, man. Yep. So I, after that, I just, you know, I've made multiple trips, uh, took an unbelievable trip with my wife, which still has a couple of the, the true kind of heart and soul moments that I've had in my life. Uh, I was overcome with gratitude on one of them playing Nairn with her. Um, I've seen, I've played it a number of times, but that, we were walking up the 13th fairway and in the middle of the fairway, I was literally so overcome with gratitude that I just stopped and I kind of called her over and I hugged her and um, never forget that moment. Um, we got to play the new course at St. Andrews in about a 70 mile an hour wind <laughs> with my hickories. And they, when we got to the pro shop, I had rented some hickories for uh, Hamish Stedman at St. Andrews Golf Company. He was a friend of mine, and he helped me out, and they had a set of hickories for me. And And the woman behind the counter in the pro shop said, you're not going out now. Oh, yeah, we, we don't live here. We're, we're not, we're not playing, you know, not playing because it's windy. She said, it's not just windy. She said, if we were having a tournament today, they might call it. That's how bad it is. Well, <laughs> And as happens, and I know you guys have experienced this, it turned into one of the most memorable days ever. Bags blowing off pull carts. It was nuts. It was totally nuts. Yeah. So, um, you know, that, and I told you, Jeff, a trip to the Highlands that I got to take with six of my media friends in 2015 yeah. was just, we could do six hours on that trip. That was yeah. just completely nuts. So I, I've been hooked ever since the first time, and uh, I don't know how many more trips I'll have going back, but I got well, a lifetime of memories, even if I never went back. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like what Bobby Jones said, right? If you, you can mm -hmm. strip away everything else in my life, just my time in St. Andrews. Yep. Uh, you know, I forget that I'm misquoting him slightly, but it's, you know, it, it's I still have a rich, full life. Exactly. I'm absolutely amazing. I agree with you. So you've been to Scotland a number of times and you've been to uh, Ireland, Wales, England as well. I actually have not played golf in Wales, though I've driven through it. That sounds strange, but at that point in my life, I was just kind of driving. Um, I have played golf in England. Um, I've played golf in Ireland and had some, un there are still bucket list places in, you know, all three of those places. Um, I have played courses in Ireland. I've been lucky. I played Waterville and Bally Bunyan. Um, you know, we got my wife and I, one of the great things we did together is in, uh, I think it was 2007, 15 years ago, which is, it feels like it was two years ago. Yeah. But uh, I don't know if you remember Jim Huber, who was a great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, in, he was from here in Atlanta. Yeah, true. The broadcaster. Yep. And Jim was a great friend for years also. And one day he called me and he said, I have a proposition. I don't know if you and your wife want to do it, but I'll throw it out there. He said, I was supposed to host a golf cruise uh, around the British Isles with Billy Casper. But 
they changed my schedule at TNT and I can't get away from it. Do you and Ava, do you want to host it and you can bring Ava? And I went, okay, let me, let me think about it. A golf cruise around the British Isles with Billy Casper. All right. So we wound up going on this ridiculously great cruise uh, with Billy and his wife, Shirley. And um, we got to stop kind of all the way around. Um, we got to play Royal Belfast. You know, we stopped in Northern Ireland. We got to play Royal Belfast, which was just a just a great, great play. All of it was great. All of it was great. Yeah. Uh, so I have played, and like I said, I played uh, Waterville and Ballybunion, and we have great friends who live here in Myrtle Beach who have a house in Bantry. So we played in Cork, and we've played Bantry Bay. And, yeah, but I have, you know, my bucket list is to go up to Port Rush and Royal County Down and Ardglass. Ardglass might, even though the other ones I obviously would love to play. Yeah, I think Ard, Ardglass might be my... That's the one I I chew on and just kind of, kind of want to go. Darren's been there and he came well, back. That's on my list as well. I've played Port Rush, Port Stewart, Royal County Down, Castle Rock up there. But Ardglass with the, they've got the oldest clubhouse in golf. And huh? the, the photos and the flyovers I've seen of that course and the reviews I've read are, Fantastic. By the way, Hayden had to drop off. He sent me a note, so I apologize for for that. But see you, Hayden. Nice talking to you. Um, yeah, I the uh, your list of courses is uh, phenomenal. I, I uh, we, we love golf in Ireland. We've got the in it, coming up. We've got a couple of guests coming from Northern Ireland. We've got a the head of marketing for uh, golf tourism, Northern Ireland um coming on soon we've got a guy over there who takes iron from historic things buildings and ships and he makes hand he's a blacksmith he makes hand forged putters and ball wow. markers right from Absolutely. like the the building that the titanic was built in he's got iron from that and um who else do we have from there? And I've got a request into the pro from Ardglass as well mm -hmm. to be on uh, to be on our show. But um, oh, that's great. You should have. I don't want to tell you who to book, <laughs> but you should you should have Darren on because Darren has spent time up there. He'd be great because he really he remember we're we're two incredibly different humans in the way we remember golf courses, which is. I am a big picture guy. I am a feel person. Yeah. I am an experiential human. So my memories, for the most part, especially if you only play a course once or twice, are big. It's right. the totality of everything. Darren, on the other hand, will play a course and he'll talk holes with. It. He'll, you know, he can, Eric Hart's the same way. Eric is a joke. You can ask him about a course he played 20 years ago and he'll say, you know, I remember I was on the seventh at Castle Rock and there's that drive you have to hit around the corner. And I'd sit there and go, what are you even talking about? What? Yeah. But Darren, Darren be a great one to talk to. Um, I'm kind of, I'm more like you in that regard. I, I'm more experiential. I, I remember every golf course in every clubhouse 
and and, and I, I remember some holes, right? But I, I can't go, hey, the, remember the seventh or the second no. or... I mean, I have to play a course 10 times before I start kind of getting the image. And I won't re remember all 18. I, you know, I might remember five that are really memorable. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't matter. I mean, the game is the game. It's why it's the greatest game to me. Yeah. It's got all these components that people can latch on to. If, if you're a single-minded, whole-centric person, then yeah. great. You know, you, you can do that. If you're, if you're somebody who loves just the whole experience, you can do that and everything in between. And, you know, I always talk to my wife and I say, I love tennis. I love watching good pro tennis. I said, but every court is exactly the same. Every basketball court is exactly the same. Uh, baseball stadiums are different with different lengths, but they're baseball stadiums. Right. There are no two golf courses alike, period, in the entire world. Right. For me, it's it's it really is what separates it from every other game, every other sport. Well, I think the other thing along those lines, Mitch, is that we can play those courses. So you can play St. Andrews. Right. Right. And I can't go to Yankee Stadium and play baseball. No, I tried. <laughs> but I can go to St. Andrews, or I can go to Royal Dornock or and play, you know. But I, I, I want to go back to something that you said about experience. Our ideal client, it, it's not the guy who wants to play 36 a day and do nothing else but golf. It's guys like us. Hey, where's the whiskey distillery? Can right. we do the whiskey tasting? Can we go um let's go on a castle tour today let's let's drive to the northern tip of um scotland from doorknock take a day and not not play golf experience you know really remote scotland or go to the cliffs of mar and yep in ireland or listen to traditional irish music or yeah that um, is it that is it i mean and it's your company right like being with your wife on nairn or yeah. me being with hayden the first time he played a, a, a round of Lynx golf and see the look on his face, like, look at me and goes, I can't believe we're here. I can't believe right. what we're doing right now. Right. That's, it is, it is by far the coolest part of it. And trust me, you know, this too, the older you get, um, the more you appreciate all of that aspect of it. That's the only thing I can say as, um, as I get to a point where, kind of the longer trips that I've taken over my lifetime in golf, as they get smaller, that the amount of trips that I can take uh, because of physical stuff, because of whatever, there's different reasons as you age. Um, the more I appreciate those moments, even if the travel is less, when I do take those trips now, I can go for a day or two days and the appreciation is so off the charts for that part of the game, yeah. for the company, for the camaraderie, all the things that sound like cliches, but really aren't. Yeah. They really aren't. Well, I, I, another thing we encourage our clients to do is, I mean, we, we could literally schedule their time to the, to the nth minute, right. With tours or yeah. whiskey tastings or distillery tours or you know, golf, whatever, restaurant, restaurant recommendations, whatever. But I tell people, 
you need to leave time for serendipity, right? Explore on your own, right? Yeah. Find, find your favorite. I'll be happy to tell you what ours are, but go find your own. Find a little town that you love that that I that we're unaware of, and tell us about it. Yep, right? that's but, a great that's a great way to do it. I love that you do that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you you know, like you go to. Um, like if you if you told someone about Presswick St. Nicholas, they're like, I'm not going there. I mean, it's not in the top 100. It's not. Right. And you're like, no, no, no. You got to meet, you know, let's say Frank Rennie was there. Well, you got to meet this guy. He's been the pro there for 60 years or something, you know, or the bar is the best bar in a, you know, in a clubhouse you've ever seen, or the members are so friendly or what have you. I, yeah. 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 I know on the on the uh, podcast, No Laying Up, they call these people bag tag berries. Those guys that just want to go to, you know, Turnberry and Muirfield. Well, they can and, say they've been there. Yeah. And I, yeah. That's no. not who I want. I, no. I want guys that are willing to say, hey, I'll play Presswick St. Nicholas if you say it's a great experience or I'll play Cullen Links or Fortress Rose and Rose Markey or. Goldspear, or Brora, or any of those places that you've been around. Well, think about this for a second. The trip we took in 2015, we did play Dornick. Uh, we did play St. Andrews. Some of us did. I didn't that day, but some of the guys did. Um, but we also played, and we did play Nairn, which, you know, top five for me. And we did play Castle Stewart. Great, unbelievable experience. Uh, but we also played Brora, Tane, Merker, Fraserboro, Newborough on Ithen. Now, people look at us when we talk about them, especially when we got back and they went, what are you even talking about? And I maintain, and you and I have talked about this, that those experiences yeah. other than the name value and the some of the historic aspect are every bit, if not more wonderful. Yeah. And I mean, Brora, thanks to our friend, Tom Mackin, who's a great writer, really well-traveled and Brora hadn't been on our itinerary. And he and Bri uh, Darren were trying to work out the itinerary and Mackin said, you have got to get, we're going to go to Brora. One way or another, we're going to Brora. No, we hadn't even really heard of it. Yeah. And break my arm if you try to get me to say that it's not one of the greatest places you can ever play golf. Yeah. Well, how about uh, at Fraserboro? The Fraserboro. back at Fraserboro is like, it's surreal how good it is. Yeah. Well, all of it. I I had never heard of Merck I'd never heard of Tain. I'd never heard of Newburgh. I'd never heard of Fraserboro. I'd never heard of Brown. That's five courses in the Highlands that we had never really and you know when we were there and we stayed in unbelievable places every night the mary coulter house culloden house yeah. king's mills you know these and yeah there's big hotels and there's big but holy crap yeah. <laughs> well crazy. when you stay at mary coulter house or culloden house it's brilliant we have people say hey is there a hilton i've got hilton points Oh, I'm great. Like, I'm not putting you up at a hill. We're, we're going, you got to go. 
Go local. Let's go to this, a this reminds me. I was I went with a girlfriend once on a trip to the Canary to Heritage in Morocco. And we were literally in a restaurant underground, sitting on the floor with a bunch of other tourists. And this woman who was sitting next to me, they brought food out. This is Morocco now. Yeah. And they brought all the food out and she took some bites of different things and she turned to me and she said, I don't really like this. It tastes foreign. Literally. Well, we had 50 years and I could still remember exactly. I, I that's how I feel about people that go and say, I want to stay, I want to use my Hilton points in the Highlands in Scotland. Yeah, I mean, if there's a Starbucks, I'll walk across the street to avoid it or a McDonald's. Right. I want local coffee, local food, local people, local restaurants. We, I, I remember one time we went to, uh, well, I'll come back to that. Uh, I was talking to some people recently that were in New York for the first time. I go, God, what was your favorite restaurant? Bubba Gump's? <laughs> Wait a minute. You went to Bubba Gump's in New York City with all the restaurants there? I mean, you, but I'll tell you, listen to this. Um, and I don't mean to be, besmirch your um, heritage of growing up in New York, but we were in Ballyliffin kind of on the border of Northern Ireland and the Republic. And they've got two 18s that are marvelous there. And my guys and I, there are uh, eight of us in a minivan. We jump out and a big bus had pulled up ahead of us with 50 obnoxious New Yorkers the t and ugly Americans, overweight, smoking. Where's the beer cart? Where, you know, and what's it take to get a hot dog around here? Can I smoke a cigar in the clubhouse? They don't take their cap off. You're like, and and my from that point on, I was looking for places where I wouldn't see a busload of Americans or an, I wouldn't yeah. hear an American accent. Or I'm surprised because I never had that New York experience ever with you know ever. Hey, listen to this. This is a true story. I swear this is true. I was dating a woman from um, Brooklyn. She lives here in Atlanta. And I had to go up to New York on business. And she said, you've got to go to Rocco's. She talked about nothing else in Brooklyn for pizza. So I take the subway over, right? And I've never been to Brooklyn. This is 20 years ago. I've been to New York a bunch, but not Brooklyn. And uh, I've heard nothing but bad things about Brooklyn through movies and TV. I'm, and this is 20 years ago. I know it's whatever, a nice place now. Not that it, anyway, um, I get out of the subway. I come up and I, I, I'm on the sidewalk. The very first thing I see are two guys, their cars came together in an intersection, you know, like who's going to go? And they're going, F you, no, F you. In, in this thick New York accent, I'm like, and I, and, now, this is before, like, I didn't have a, you didn't have cell phones and a film, right? Or I would have been filming this to show her, like, what did I tell you, right? This is Brooklyn. People yep. cursing, drop it. First word I hear in Brooklyn is F you. Of course. Well, it doesn't mean the same thing in Brooklyn or any part of New York. as <laughs> most other places. I always say that. People get, and I go, I, I grew up, I sitting around our dinner table when I was growing up, when we were in fifth grade, probably. That was that was the language. It didn't mean, you know, there's different ways of saying it. And if somebody right. walks up to your face 
and sticks it in your face. That's different. But for us, it's like saying cable. It's yeah. like I don't I don't look at it the same fucking way, Jeff. <laughs> exactly. Well, you can, you know, you you can say it in an offhanded way to your friend, right? Hey, fuck you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? no, of course. I'm I'm making it was, a joke, but it was yeah, very funny though. Very funny. Yep. Um. So let me let's move on. Who's the most interesting or famous person you played golf with? And I, it's based on your travels and so forth, you've played with some amazing people. Yeah, I have. I'm trying to think. It's an interesting question because I've gotten to, I've gotten to play with a lot of people. <laughs> Not to be, again, flip about it, but I don't know if I could pick. All right, I'll just list some of my favorites. Okay. Michael Jordan. Jesus Christ. James Woods. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Fuck you. Oh, not James Woods. Uh, Al Woods. James Woods. Forget that. Al Woods. Um, Roy Williams. Um, Leslie Nielsen. Wow. Um, ben Wright. Again. Payne Stewart. Holy cow. Yeah, that was, that was pretty special. I have some great stories about that. Um, yeah, I've gotten, to, I, I've gotten, I've done okay. Well, I'll tell you what, um, you owe your friend a great deal of gratitude, the guy that pestered you into playing golf, because look how enriched your life has become by the relationships and the people you've met and holy cow. I can honestly tell you there is other than my brother who I knew, you know, before I started playing golf, especially since he's my twin. Um, other than that, everything in my life at almost 73 years of age, I owe to golf. Because of that, where I am now, if it hadn't been for golf, I'm sure I would have been fine. But everything, I met my wife at a golf tournament. She was a pool player doing exhibitions in North Carolina. And I went to play in the pro-am at a, the senior tour championship. And that's where I met her. Uh, I wouldn't be in a place I love, which is Myrtle beach. If it weren't for golf, I wouldn't have other than the friends I grew up with kind of through college. And when I was acting, all my friends are people like you that I've met somehow through golf. Yeah. It literally has given me every great thing in my life that that I have right now. That's I'm pretty great. I'm pretty grateful. <laughs> yeah, I see. Yeah, absolutely. And you, yeah, absolutely. So let me. This will. This is playing along those same lines. What if you could put together a dream foursome of four people, three people to join you, living or dead? Who would make up that dream foursome? Hmm. My wife, my brother, and Harry Varden. Wow. Although, although if he couldn't make it, obviously Bobby Jones, and if he couldn't make it, James Braid. And, so, and probably 25 other people. Right. <laughs> Francis, we met. Yeah, we met would be all right. As a fill-in, as a substitute. Yeah. 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 I'm no, I've, always, I've always thought 
that's why we met. That's why 1913 to me was incredibly, ridiculously off the charts. Because to me, between Varden and Ted Ray, I love Ted Ray. Ted Ray is one of the most interesting guys to me, but Varden is also, and obviously what we met did. But that threesome and that the circumstances, the all of that, that's just... How about the caddy? You know, the connection... Hey, Lowry. The, who went on to become yeah. very yeah. successful in San Francisco, and he was responsible for the match. Yep. I mean, yep. unbelievable. Anyway, that's that's kind of mine. I uh, that's kind of mine. I'm glad you got your wife and your brother in there. I think I've never been asked that question, but I'll tell you what my best. All right, who's I, your, come on, Jeff. Who's your foursome? Well, I I'll tell you what my best so far has been. My dad passed away uh, 18 months ago, but my dad and my son and the three of us played together twice. That was. You know, amazing. So, you know, I would say uh, my dad, I'll tell you what, I've been blessed like you have. I've played with, I haven't played with the celebrities that you have, but, and I'm envious of that. But if I could play with my dad, my brother, and my son, that's pretty perfect. I'd be, I'd, but historically, the names that you mentioned, you know, old Tom, young Tom. Well, my dad never, my dad never played and never saw me play. Wow. He died when I was he, 1978. So two day, two years before I started playing when I moved to L.A. He had no golf was never even talked about in my house ever. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I well, wish that he had what my life to well as a hickory player how would you like to play with alan robertson young tom yeah. and old tom yeah that's pretty good i mean that would be yeah i mean yeah that's i mean there's a whole world of you know people who play hickory golf that's a whole separate fraternity and sorority there's a lot of female, you know women who play hickories too around the world uh, but it's a whole subset of crazy people, yeah. really. Um, but to me, again, I was talking about the courses, but the that part of it is another thing that we have that we can do that's truly amazing to me. I mean, I, I have, I'm looking, sitting in my office, looking at 25 hickories that are against my bookshelf because you can't leave them outside. I just keep them here. Yeah. And I'm just looking at them and I have clubs that were made by James Braid and Tom Stewart who made Bobby Jones clubs and Ben Sayers. And I mean, they're just right here. And I just go over with the same shafts mind yeah. you, and pick them up and go play and go hit them. And well, I've got a collection of hickories too, but I don't play with them, but I've got some of those same guys. Come on, you chicken. I'll tell you hey. what, here's, here's my offer to you. Okay. I will meet you. Uh, I told you this. I have to have some work done on my back and different things. So probably be a little while, but it's winter coming where we are. Right. But in the spring, you and I are going to meet up at Aiken Golf Club. Okay. It's kind of in the middle of the two of us. And I will bring my hickories 
if if you want to bring yours, great. If not, I have a set I can give you, and we can, we'll go play Aiken. Okay, we'll go play Aiken, which yeah. is what it says right here. I'll bring have the whip. Have you played Aiken? No. Okay, we'll play Aiken. Nineteen twelve. One of the great cost thirty dollars, twenty eight dollars to play. Everybody goes to Augusta and plays Palmetto, which is off the charts if you can get on it. But here's Aiken, which is an experience, a real golf experience. You will absolutely love. It. Okay, so you'll bring the hickories and I'll bring the whiskey. What kind of balls do you play? Um, um, I have, there's a company called McIntyre Golf. I just happen to have right here on my desk, a McIntyre, they're replica balls from the 20s. Like, like a Haskell? No, the Haskell came right after these. This is, it's not, it, this is what came between Gutties and the Haskell ball. Okay. So these, and the dimple patterns are from the 20s. They're made by a company called McIntyre Golf, who's now run by a guy named Dave Brown uh, in Omaha, Nebraska. It was started by Chris McIntyre. Uh, and they're fabulous balls. They're fabulous balls. So you play with these and you kind of you kind of get a feeling uh, of what it was like to play with these. You can there's a lot of modern balls you can play because they're soft. Uh, Callaway Chrome Soft or Super Soft, those are good. Titleist Pro V's are okay. But I prefer most of the time to play with these because this is and they're great balls. I mean, they yeah. really give you the feel. This this particular one uh, is from a trip that I took, uh, one of the things Darren's doing is he is doing a ton of work, including all the marketing for Rams Hill Golf Club, which is outside of San Diego in the desert, a place called Borrego Springs. It's a Tom Fazio place that you would flip. It's fantastic. So I went out um, last, last year and the final day with Darren we were out and in mid-afternoon, I was getting ready to drive back to San Diego to get a plane. And I said, you know what we haven't done? We haven't gone out at sunset. So let's just go play three or four holes. So we go, Darren's a hickory player too. I had shipped my hickories back already. And we're on the fifth hole, which is a par three. And Darren hits a shot, middle of the green, two-tier green. Darren hits a good shot, middle of the green, lower tier. I have no clubs. I'm playing out of his bag. And I, he said, what do you want to hit? I said, I don't know. Give me a club. I don't care. So he hands me a completely beat to shit mid iron with electrical tape holding the whipping wow. uh, lead tape on the back, a beat up grip. I mean, uh, you can't believe what this club looked like, which is what I'm like, among others and 150 yard shot. And Darren starts walking. He's videoing a lake that runs along the left side up to the green and i hit the shot and i went whoa i hit that good i'm yelling at him as he's walking i'm watching the ball and it hits just on the back right side of the green on the mound at the edge of the green and then starts rolling and i'm yelling at darren i'm going you're not going to believe this man and i'm kidding around you're not going to believe this man but i think i just have i think i have a hole in one so he turns to me and he starts laughing. He's walking up to the green. I drive up. I get up on the hill above the green. I start 
walking down and I'm looking, there's no ball. And I'm going, okay. And I took about three steps and I stopped. And I, the only way I can put it is in my, in the cells of my being, I knew it was in the hole. And I walked down and it was. Holy cow. With this ball and a borrowed, just ridiculous piece of shit, 100-year-old golf club. Wow. So what, that's a long answer to what kind of balls they use. Well, and do, you, do you have the club as well? Yeah. Oh, good. Good. Yeah. We have a golf simulator here at the house. We renovated part of our barn. We have a golf simulator. And the, uh, the club's out in the barn. Wow, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. What can I tell you? Life well lived. Hey, you've, you've been generous with your time, but I've got one last question for you. For okay. someone who's visiting the UK or Ireland to play Lynx golf for the first time, what advice would you give them? Um, don't travel too far. That's the biggest tip I can give. Pick a spot. Um, I, if you want to do big and go St. Andrews and the old course and try to get on there, if you want to do wherever. But I made a mistake the second trip I took, which was trying to cover too much ground. Um, any place you pick will give you the experiences you're looking for. There's so many great courses that nobody's heard of. Yeah, You can just drop it within a 25-mile radius in most places, as you know, and just find heaven. That's right. the only way I can say it. So that, to me, would be the biggest thing. Maybe two places, but... Find a spot, pick a central hub that you can go out from and come back to and learn about that place. Yeah. Yeah, we've got some trips, Mitch, where we've got the people are staying in um, St. Andrews for nine days, right? And playing all those great courses around St. Andrews. And St. Andrews is such a wonderful place. The university, the, you know, the castle and the cathedral and the shop thomas king's house yeah yeah we know who thomas kid yeah yeah and and old tom's you know old tom's great great granddaughter still lives above his shop she owns the buildings yeah yeah no it's all yeah i mean saint andrew obviously you're not going to go wrong there make sure that you you let them try the haggis burger at the dunvegan Yeah, I'll make sure they do that. I'll, I'll, I've got a story about the uh, Dunbeg, and I'll tell you when we're done here. But, Mitch, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for being with Hayden and I today. You're uh, an absolute pleasure. And without, if someone ever asks me who is your favorite guest, I'm going <laughs> to, your name will be at the top of the list. Oh, stop. Stop. <laughs> yeah, it's true. You were you were fantastic. Your stories are amazing. Um, this has been great. I so I said before, and I really mean it. I so appreciate you reaching out, and and that you like the podcast enough to want to have me on means a lot to me, and I know it means a lot to Darren and Chris too. So thanks, man. I can't wait to get to meet you in person and play some golf. I I, I feel the same way. Thanks again. Okay. Thank you so much to Mitch Lawrence for coming on and talking with us. Um, it was a pleasure and an honor talking about his career. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Please have a Merry Christmas, and we'll see you next time.